Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. So, hey, good, uh, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to uh, Great Lakes uh, Tech Leadership Discussion. Uh, and yeah, for this week, it uh, looks like the topic is uh, security suites, which is a huge topic in and of itself. Um, so yeah, we'll just kind of kind of uh, skip through introductions because um, I think all of us have been on uh, previous discussions before because um, we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about uh, such a massive topic. <laughs> um, so I think it was requested by Kyle. Uh, so I wasn't sure if you wanted to go through um, security related options in AWS or uh, other cloud platforms or talk about things from a more general perspective. Um, but yeah, I'll kick things over to you to, to kick things off. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I thought it was a fairly broad topic that um, I'm hoping we don't have any issue filling 30 minutes with. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, outside of AWS in terms of third party uh, offerings or just within AWS, I was, I was looking today and you know, just with the security identity and compliance services, they have uh, 28 of them. Um, so, so quite a large number there. And I think really just, you know, uh, trying to gauge people's under, you know, I guess, uh, input on, you know, are there certain ones they feel are, are core that are always used or some, you know, kind of ad hoc or, you know, where do we see people using things namely in the platform or outside in some sort of like a seam? Um, and just kind of you know, take it from there. Yeah, excellent. Um, definitely a, a great choice there. And um, I can definitely speak to things more on the AWS side, because um, just like you said, I mean, there are a ton of options, security related options. I mean, so much so that it is very overwhelming. <laughs> the way that uh, I like to think of it to, to help it make sense for me is um, I, I kind of sort things into categories or tiers. So at the first level, there are things that are more uh, foundational, fundamental, things that are like uh, resources that are building blocks um, to be able to uh, bake in good security into the infrastructure that you're building. So things like um, IAM roles, uh, security groups, um, you know, uh, NACLs, things of that nature. Um, and then at the next tier would be AWS services that are um, th that provide options for enhancing security uh, along different lines. You know things like um, KMS and ACM for um, uh, certificates and encryption, two-system encryption. You know uh, organizations and SSO to aid in multi-account um, governance, things of that nature. Um, and then at the, the top level tier would be those services that kind of stitch together the other services from the previous level, things like Security Hub, which will um, kind of bring together uh, services like Guard Duty and Inspector and Config and can give you like a one uh, or a single panel um, 
or a single pane of glass uh, view into your what's going on in your environment from a security perspective, and then also like trusted advisor, so which gives um, uh, best practice recommendations uh, and can help you detect any gaps. Um, so yeah, like those those three categories are the ones that I, I, it helps to for me to kind of sort them like that. <laughs> I don't know if uh, uh, that that uh, also resonates with with you guys, but um, yeah, I find that. There, there's a lot that's more situational, but definitely the foundational building blocks like security groups and IAM roles are ubiquitous. Like we use them day in and day out. Yeah, I, th I think that's a great way uh, of kind of breaking them down. I think, uh, you know, you do need your core components first and understanding those before you can really get you know, leverage uh, the other tools. You know, if you're just a start using guard duty first, you're going to get a ton of different uh, messages saying, you know, you got security groups open to the world or, you know, uh, misconfigured IAM roles. Right. Yeah. That's you, you, <laughs> turning those on first, like you said, would just give you an onslaught of, of messages. Um, but yeah, some of the ones that I found the most useful, like I was saying before, those foundational ones, but um, once you get to a point where you have your environment set, um, at least um, the core components. Uh, having trusted advisor, I found actually is, has been quite useful um, in detecting any gaps. So, and, you know, trusted advisor, you can use along multiple lines than just security. I mean, you can also look at things from a uh, cost optimization perspective or from a performance perspective, but, um, I really like that with uh, trusted advisor, you can uh, like it'll scan through your whole environment. And, you know, if you have hundreds of security groups, you know, and you just have there's that one that's hiding in there that's got everything open to to the entire world, <laughs> it'll flag that and say, hey, did you mean to do this? Like, is, is do, you know, is, is this is something that's probably not a good idea for the most part? <laughs> but um, but yeah, like what what types of services have you found, Kyle, that are that you tend to use more often that that are uh, uh that you find the most useful yeah i think i mean um like, like you mentioned some of them are just you know by default um outside of those you know, i think there's some interesting ones when you get into like control tower organizations um what you can do there on um you know multiple uh, you know different ous or, or types of accounts is uh, very powerful um you know using config to have guardrails in place um centralizing you know the the uh security feedback through security hub um is is also you know very useful you know i think uh, cloud trails also one that you know is uh maybe often overlooked but maybe the most important when you do need it uh and then, you know, again, trying to centralize these and, and have them be in, in a place that, you know, that you, you do get that single pane of glass, so you're not hopping around per account trying to correlate results in different areas. Um, I, I think those are, are some of the, the ones that I've used the most. I think, you know, more recently, um, AMS, um, even CloudHSM uh, to some degree, um, are, are services that, you know, we've been leveraging more and more of. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And you bring up a good point with control tower and organizations too, because um, what we're seeing more and more is that there are uh, a lot of the, um, the, the organizations we're working with and uh, helping to, to build uh, infrastructure with are going more into the multi-account strategy. Um, 
even for things just as simple as separating environments. So like having your, your pre-prod and prod separated from your, your dev and test environments. Um, so having that level of centralized control and, and um, that extra safety for ensuring that, um, you know, those environments are separated and that only like setting um, who can control uh, or who can manage what resources and what account um, is pretty, pretty important. Uh, and yeah, definitely big fan of um, organizations and control tower for uh, um, allowing the, the ease of use and really setting that up um, from the get-go because um, that's it can take a lot of work just spinning up all that and getting it um, in a place that follows best practices uh, without something like uh, control tower which just helps you get off the ground a lot quicker so yeah just wanted to throw in my praise for that one <laughs> So I guess you know a question I have, um, you know, with with so many different uh, services out there um, for for different sometimes you know niche uh, use cases, you know, outside of maybe taking a course on something like the uh, AWS uh, Security Specialty Certification, uh, how do you find best like ways to get hands on with with something like maybe like IoT Device Defender um, or um, you know, Macy uh, with, with large amounts of data and Nest3 to try to like sh showcase the way that it does work, uh, what they can do, you know, if you put PII somewhere in, in Nest3, how can you leverage Macy to show that it's identifying it uh, correctly? I think this is something I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's not just I struggle with is, is with so many different things out there that cover such a broad, you know, um, variety of use cases. Um, how can you get hands-on and, and understand when to use them and how, how they're best used? That's a great question. Um, I know that the resources that um, I've relied on in the past um, was uh, mostly the AWS training. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a wealth of information there um, and not just like uh, online courses, but also um, just a, a central hub for documentation and blogs um, to help you get spun up and actually workshops to get hands-on with a lot of this stuff. Um, so I would definitely encourage um, you and anybody else uh, to, to look at the um, AWS training hub. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on there, but you can easily filter to the, um, the, the domains, like the, the, um, uh, the types of topics that you want to learn about, and also um, like filtering across different services. Um, it, it may take a little bit of digging because uh, it, it's not immediately obvious for, for a lot of those special cases, but um, th there's definitely quite a lot of stuff on there. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure outside of that, I, I haven't really ventured a whole lot outside of, uh, of those kind of resources. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if anybody else had any input um, for where to find more information about that kind of stuff. Oh, it sounds yeah, like that, but yeah, I was gonna say uh, one of the well, yeah challenges uh, I think that I've run into in the past has just been, you know, with those specific use cases. You know, I, I like to take the mentality that you know security is everyone's job. Um, you know, you don't just you know throw everything off to the cybersecurity team expect them to know you know 
cloud to you know device to coding different languages frameworks uh, you, you really want to build that mentality um, that that everyone's involved um, but for you know an edge case that you may have a device that is on AWS IoT and you want to use IoT Defender um, you know what's best to um, have a real world use case that someone can get hands on to see is this something that we should be leveraging or not um, I think with some of the broader services, it, it's fairly straightforward. Um, you know, so something like WAF, uh, like yes, and it's fairly easy to uh, you know get a POC set up um, to showcase how it would work. Um, some of the other ones are a bit more difficult than that. Um, even with something like Macy, if you have petabytes in S3, you know, maybe it's cost prohibitive to use. Uh, so you know, just, I guess, assessing the different services out there and uh, finding means to approach ones that maybe aren't as uh, common. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, yeah, I mean, and just trying to like, not even just from a cost prohibitive perspective, but trying to test this out, to test out a um, Macy with just a, a wealth of test data, like generating that test data or filling those buckets could be uh, from a like extremely time intensive as well, right? If you're filling up that amount of, of uh, data in your buckets. So yeah, that, um, that, that's a good question. And that's something that I'd, I'd have to, to dig a little bit to, uh, to really um, look into for some of those, um, the more niche ones like uh, Macy and IoT Defender, like you said, like my gut instinct would go to like pour over AWS documentation and um, some of the training materials that they provide. But yeah, I'm sure that there are some workshops out there that would allow you some hands-on stuff too. And then I guess, you know, another question I have is just around, um, you know, the adoption of you know, something like uh, we use uh, Secrets Manager uh, as an example where, you know, AWS has a service, you know, there are also um, other cloud providers that have services or, or something like uh, HatchyCorp uh, Vault uh, that will do do something similar as well. You know, do you find um, majority of the time that just using the native AWS offerings um, is, is the way to go or, you know, are, are the clients you're working with, um, you know, using other solutions and integrating them? Do you, is there a preference? Yeah, so I, I, it's kind of a mix of both actually. So um, a lot of times, when you use a lot of native offerings, you have that, um, the built-in, uh, like you, you don't have to worry about integration as much because everything understands how to communicate to each other. Like if you're using Secrets Manager, like you said, I mean, you can easily retrieve um, Secrets Manager Secrets Manager secrets um, using something like Bodo or just configuring other resources to be able to pull from that really, really easily. Um, there are uh, cases though, where um, we work with clients that prefer to use some third-party solutions as well. Um, and, and sometimes even there are uh, restrictions too. Um, like for one of, the, uh, one of the clients that I'm working with currently, um, they have a, a very um, uh, hard restriction on um, using two different, um, uh, two different vendors for um for network security so they're using aws for quite a lot but they're also using um 
uh, Palo Alto, for example, to help to manage their um, some of their uh, their other like uh, networking needs. So you have kind of like a mix of both. And I will say that like using a mix of both like that, you, you do run into some issues like going going against the grain in some some cases. But um, uh, there are some solutions that work really beautifully with it. Uh, I, I think one of the previous topics that we've talked about before at length was um, logging and monitoring, which goes hand in hand with security uh, and having solutions that provide um, like that centralized management for and, and log uh, collection and aggregation. Uh, and some of those you can um, integrate really well if you don't, even if you don't have that um, uh, within uh, like native to AWS. Um, like Splunk is an industry standard that um, a, a lot of people love to use, uh, which, uh, yeah, we've, we've had a lot of previous discussions about that and, you know, the uh, open search, elk stack, that type of thing. But yeah, um, definitely I'd say like, uh, if there's no strong preference from the client, my, uh, like the, the first recommendation for me would be um, just go with what AWS provides because they do offer so much that um, there's not really a uh, like any gaps that you need to worry about in the general case. Um, but if the clients have like very uh, strict requirements for using other vendors, or if they just prefer, um, yeah, there there are a lot of solutions out there too that you can uh, weave together to um, to help enhance security overall. I would say. I appreciate that. I think that makes sense. Um, one of the things you said earlier got me thinking, um, you know, again, I think, yeah, Trusted Advisor is a phenomenal tool. And I, I was just looking into it and it got me thinking around um, one, I don't know if you can call it a service, uh, but wasn't listed on, on AWS's uh, security things, but the, the well-architected review and how there's a whole pillar um, within that for security. Is that something, you know, have you run through those before? Do you find that it ties in evenly with um, you know, some of the services they have at play? Yes, absolutely. Um, so like you were saying, the, uh, the well-architected framework, um, help, you can use that as just guidelines for building uh, strong, like building a strong um, uh, infrastructure architecture. Uh, and one of the pillars, like you're saying, uh, security is is a very like uh, major component <laughs> for, uh, uh, for to just to have good architecture. And they they definitely try try to make it easy to follow uh, the well architected uh, the well architected um, uh, guidelines. Um, so uh, we we've worked with uh, clients before as well on uh, just going through because. But I think and originally it was even just like a, a um, a list like a questionnaire that you could run through with the clients as like an AWS partner and say like okay well what is what are the types of things that like what what does your architecture look like today um, and just kind of get the ball rolling to discuss like well okay are we following best practices are there any gaps that maybe you haven't thought about um, and really get uh, client thinking you know just having that security minded, um, that security mindset from the get go, like you're saying, uh, that you said before, like everybody needs to have that security mindset, um, like building it from the ground up, rather than just offloading it to a separate team. Um, that was one of the main goals originally of the well architected framework program. 
Uh, and yeah, I think that a lot of the services um, help to, um, I guess enforce is not the right word, but just to guide people in that direction, you know, like um, <laughs> to give you an example, right? You could have an RDS instance, plop it into a public AZ, uh, leave it open to the world, right? And put sensitive data in there. <laughs> um, that's, it, it's kind of, it, it was kind of makes it hard for you to do that. You know, it doesn't make it easy, um, but you could, if you really wanted to. Um, but uh, there are other things too, that people don't necessarily think about that can kind of, uh, uh, they, they, they can get tripped up on. Like you could, I, one of the th things I've seen before is somebody just uh, creating an S3 bucket, um, and just leaving it public and putting sensitive data in there without thinking, you know, without actually tailoring the bucket policy to their needs. So, yeah, like there's there's a lot of things that um, I, I think the well-architected framework following that is like a a, um, a general guideline uh, is really really good um, good practice. Uh, and, and the services, the various services, help you to um, achieve that. I would say, uh, in the general sense. And, and I guess uh, maybe one last question um, from my side, you know, when working with clients, do, do you tend, I mean, some, some of my experience in the past has been that um, maybe more traditional cybersecurity uh, engineers, you know, are not as up to speed with cloud offerings or, or even um, just how workloads run there. Uh, you know, it's very much almost like a, an IS standpoint. Um, and so when, when looking and working with cybersecurity teams to protect things that may be, you know, more SaaS pass or serverless, um, do you find that to be challenging or are, are there any barriers there? Or is that, um, ho hopefully getting better? Well, I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, it, from what I've seen, it's, it's definitely getting better. I mean, it's, it's a lot of times, um, people will get tripped up on the terminology like uh there are some equivalents i would say between like some of the classic traditional um what, what you would call as like traditional security elements um that are provided in aws just under a different name or with slightly different functionality and so once you get people up to speed um that it, it, it's that it, it just gets faster and faster for them to be able to to, to learn and um, and to excel uh, within uh, the AWS cloud platform. Um, I, I think I might be putting uh, a couple of the others on the spot here, but uh, I know uh, Phil and Will uh, are have joined us. Um, I know you guys have uh, a background, sort of like on the, the um, SysOps uh, networking side like jumping into AWS um, as opposed to like having the um, traditional like non-cloud platform experience. Like, did you know, were there some pitfalls, uh, places that you got tripped up when learning about AWS networking and security, like at that level? I would say for me, definitely, there were uh, several areas. Um, so used to, I guess in a way like having firewall, uh, rarely ever are there rules made at the routers other than uh, specific niches here or 
more all cumbersome niches here and there, but rarely ever do we make make anything there. So kind of like uh, we did the rules at the firewall, the front end. We did the uh, maybe rules on the server end. So having the in-between um, uh, with like security groups, um, that was kind of a newer concept. Like it, it all aligned once it all sunk in. But at the same time, like different terminologies, like you said, um, trying to match up uh, those terminologies with what I've worked with previously, um, especially in the Cisco world and whatnot, was uh, it took me a little while, I'll put it that way, before the light bulb finally came on. Right. So like um, something like Knackles, like the subnet uh, controls for filtering traffic in and out would seem very similar to what you'd done before. But then, um, you know, when you have security groups as more of like the resource to resource um, protection uh, for traffic is, yeah, definitely. I could see how that um, could could trip, trip you up uh, initially. But yeah, I mean, in general, like you're saying, what I'm seeing is, yeah, once people get through and understand like um the differences in those concepts like th they get rolling a lot faster so yeah cool well um i think we are coming up on time um did anybody have any like uh closing comments or last questions or thoughts before we wrap up for today um nothing for my end really appreciate uh, you know the the discussion yeah and and uh, myself as well. Yeah, thank you all for joining. And um, yeah, thank you for the engaging discussion. And uh, yeah, have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.